Hello, hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And you're listening to Sister Strange. Um, welcome back. Hello. Welcome to week two, episode two, something with a two. Two. Two of us. How are you? <laughs> oh, no. Um, because we had that wonderful 70 degree day and then it dropped to like 30. My yeah. sinuses have decided to spontaneously implode and explode at the same time. Like I'm not sick, sick, but it's yeah. all very nasally and heady. And mother nature's a bitch. Yep. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about haunted locations around where we are. I don't know that I'd say haunted locations, because my location isn't necessarily haunted. It's definitely abandoned. Um, definitely kind of creepy in the larger spectrum. I don't know that I'd call it haunted. So this is just I mean, abandoned weirdness. There have been reports of some weird shit going on. So I am going to be talking about Holy Land, USA. Taking a trip to Waterbury, Connecticut. And as you travel, this is the, my favorite thing about like driving through Waterbury, is as you drive through Waterbury, you look out your window, there's a big tall hill, because Connecticut's pretty much all hills. Um, and on the top of this hill is this 65 foot tall, 25 foot across, color changing LED cross. It changes color. Did you know that? I did. It changes color. So this nope. is Holy Land USA. It's the world's very first biblical theme park. No, so, my next, favorite part of driving through Waterbury is your favorite part of driving. No one has a favorite thing about driving through Waterbury. What's, what's your favorite <laughs> thing about driving through Waterbury? Absolutely nothing because the mix master <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, and no it one closed. Loves, no one loves driving through Waterbury. We're going back in time to 1955, right? Devout Catholic and attorney John Baptist Greco. So let's appreciate that mo- name for a moment. John Baptist Greco began construction on Holy Land on this 19-acre property he bought on Slocum Street in Waterbury. So it sits at the top of this hill, 19 acres. And by the time the park opened, more than 200 miniatures, dioramas, and buildings were built. Okay, and it's all like chicken wire and stucco, and he built like most of this by hand. There's okay. a chapel. There are the Stations of the Cross, a Tower of Babel, King Herod's Palace. Daniel in the Lion's Den, the Garden of Eden, you know, the classics. Yes. So it's been a while since our religion classes. Um, it's been a very long while since our religion classes. Story time. My, our mother was our religion teacher, was my religion teacher. And I was kicked out of her class a lot. I like to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there was a snack bar and a gift shop just around everything else. So it was like a proper sort of theme park. There were no rides. You're not going to go on like a Jesus coaster, but it, it you know, for, for so 19... rad though. <laughs> for like 1955, 1956, it's not a bad little theme park meant for like the local Catholic. So at that time, the cross was 56 feet high and the Holy Land USA sign was lit by glowing neon because again, this is the 50s. Mm. So Holy Land was in operation for almost 30 years and in its day brought in, get this, more than 40,000 visitors per year. 
40,000 people came to this place per year. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. yeah, for back then, that's a lot. But in hindsight now, that's nothing. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, just for inflation, that's probably like a million people a year. Okay. For 30 years, though. That's a long time. That's a lot of Jesus. That's a lot of Jesus. Now, Greco closed the park in 1984 with intentions to renovate and expand. And he even drew a plan with an architect. Like, he was in the process of expanding this 19-acre park. But John Baptist Greco died in 1986. Oh, Yeah. Holy Land was willed to an order of nuns, the Sisters of St. Lucy Filippini. But it stayed closed, and it quickly fell into disrepair and became subject to vandalism. Um, and this is where it gets kind of spooky. Because even though you're not supposed to be there, people went all the time. Like, all the time. And it's just this crumbling, deteriorating, there are pictures kicking around, and if I can find any that aren't um, necessarily copyright anybody else, because I think Damned Connecticut and AtlasObscura.com both have a great set of pictures. Um, I'm not going to just gank their stuff. Um, It's really eerie to see, like, these crumbling statues of religious figures and, like, Chapel, I think, isn't still in relatively good repair. Um, as far as I knew, the Sisters of St. Filippini still had mass there every so often. So it's the, the chapel is still in use. Um, but it's just very creepy and very dangerous. Like I said, you're talking rebar and rusting chicken wire and broken Stucco. plaster. Yeah, it's not. Most likely some ad- ad- asbestos. Probably some asbestos. Everything was made with asbestos. So, what's new in Holy Land, USA? A group of Boy Scouts, believe it or not, repaired the Holy Land, USA sign in 1997. And in 2008, a 50-foot-tall cross replaced the deteriorating original. In 2010, 16-year-old Chelsea Ottoman was raped and murdered at the base of the cross by 20-year-old Francisco Cruz. Oof. Yeah, he was sentenced to 55 years in prison for murder. He he pled to a he pled to guilty to a murder charge just to avoid the death penalty, sort of to avoid like life imprisonment, capital punishment. But he was sentenced to 55 years. Um, yeah, poor girl, she cute girl too. Um, and that was at the base of the cross, which is kind of nauseating. It's nauseating that this you know 16 year old child was raped and murder, murdered to start with. Um, at the base of the cross. Now, you and I aren't necessarily religious folk. No. But that is even twisted to me. Like. Mm. 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 Um, 2013, the sisters sold the park to the mayor of Waterbury at the time, Ned O'Leary, and car dealer Fred Blasius for $35,000. Random. Yeah. They just sold. It's a very random. It's a very random partnership. Well, I think it's because Waterbury's got a very religious population. um, At the end of the day, you know, when when and when this massive cross is part of your landscape, you know, it's like it's like if the dog rock in Danbury just suddenly disappeared. I mean, it kind of did for a minute. Like someone decided to vandalize it 
it's pretty just bad, something but. doesn't feel right anymore. Mm. So later that year, 2013, a brand new cross was built and illuminated just in time for Christmas. That's the 65-foot-tall, 25-foot-wide LED spectacular light. Um, and it changes color depending on the holiday or what, what religious holiday, anyway, um, is going on. So it'll be purple or pink. I will say this, mm. and I've noticed this the last couple of years. They actually let it cycle through all the colors around Pride Month. Yes, they do. Which makes me very happy. Rainbow cross. So September 2014 marked the beginning of Jehoiland's true revival and rejuvenation, and the property was opened in 2014 for a public mass. So there were people allowed on the grounds for the first time in 2014. So close in 84, 30 years later, we opened again. In 2018, Archbishop Leonard Paul Blair of the Archdiocese of Hartford celebrated a mass there um, honoring the legacy of Father Michael McGivney, um, who founded Knights of Columbus, which is like a uh, like a service organization, and he's actually up for sainthood at the Vatican. The guy that did the mass for him, or the one that started the thing? Father Michael McGivney is under Vatican consideration for um, canonization. Okay. Yeah, which I think is kind of rad. So, what makes Holy Land weird? And in retrospect, weird is a very strong word to use in relation to this, but it's the world's, again, first religious theme park. But it's not alone. Argentina opened its own holy land, Tierra Santa, in 2000. And it's got a 40-foot-tall Jesus, which resurrects from the side of a mountain every hour on the hour like a cuckoo clock. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at that. But that's kind of what it is, like. What time is it? Oh, there's Jesus coming back from the dead. Right? Uh, Florida has the Holy Land Experience, which opened in 2001, which, also a fun little fact, has a Roman soldier training, which is sort of like Disney's Jedi Training Academy. Um, Yeah, it's got like a 2,000-seat theater where they do like these really high theatrical production crucifixions. See, that's not right to me. Like like the crucifixion of Jesus, they like play it out, but it's like really gory and bloody. Well, and, um, there was I read an article and I can't remember what the article was, but this individual is really obsessed with how hot their Jesus was. And I read the whole thing. <laughs> I read the whole article. I couldn't tell you where it was or where it was from or what it was called. But see, that makes me Jesus more. That makes me more uncomfortable. That they think that Jesus is a babe. I don't know, like. That's more weird than Holy Land. <laughs> than Holy Land in and of itself. There are other um, religious themed exhibits out there in the world, but Holy Land was the first. We got it here in Waterbury. Now, there's a little bit of gray area on whether or not you can actually go to Holy Land USA right now. Um, the website, holylandwaterbury.org, states it's not open to the public. But you can go during daytime hours. See, that's an oxymoron. And it, it's it's and very confusing. Itself. So if you're in the area, number one, if you know the actual answer, if you've been to Holy Land um, and Tell us. Arrested, when you when you weren't arrested, please contact us. Sister Strange Podcast at Yahoo.com. But yeah, it's, it's just very interesting that they're 
actively trying to rejuvenate this place. And again, they have a very religious, very devout population, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. And it's kind of this weird little, like, you know me and my affinity for, like, mid-century modern, and, and yes, I love me the 50s, in theory. Um, it's just very interesting that this was, like, Connecticut's big pull in the mid to late 50s. Yes. Through the 60s and 70s, like, again, 30 years of this stuff. Um, I do know that almost every Christmas or every other Christmas, they do do a midnight mass. Well, now that now that they're taking steps to make the place safer, um, because, again, you're going to get tetanus. Don't get tetanus, you guys. If you're going to go, don't get tetanus. (laughs) Don't get tetanus. (laughs) Don't get tetanus. I want that on a T-shirt. But it's, like, super limited, and they only take in a certain amount of people, and you have to sign up, like, years in advance mm-hmm. kind of thing. Holy Land's website actually links to, like, a building the new cross situation. So, like, that 2013, when they put up the new LED cross, they actually talk about how they built the original cross. Oh, that's um, cool. You talk about how it's it's essentially like a pair of ladders. Oh, that's really like, cool. A pair of like 50 foot ladders um, and is lit by um, neon. And he did this like with the help of the local population. Like with like he went to the local like family run hardware store and said, hey, I want to do this thing. Can you help? And they were like, yeah, sure. You know, it's a very unifying situation. You know, and it I mean, is. I've lived in the same town my entire life. I don't know the community connection to something like this, you know? Yeah. But watching this video from Holy Land USA, it sort of makes y'all warm and fuzzy inside. And again, I'm not a religious person. Like, religion doesn't serve a purpose for me. But that's Holy Land USA. And now a quick break. Welcome back. Hello. Hi. What do you got, Holly? So this one's really fun. What I have is, quote, the first cursed village in New England. I have Dudley Town, Cornwall, Connecticut. Now, a small farming settlement founded in the mid-1740s and then abandoned by the 1800s. In the mid-1920s, it was turned into a land trust to try and reforest the area after decades of agriculture use. Um, Due to the rumors started in the 1980s of the area's haunted history, vandalism, the area and vandalism, the area has been closed to the public and trespassers are subjected to be arrested and heavily fined. Mm -mm. Um, Do it, guys. Yeah, this this one specifically is very much so. Do not go here because the current owners do have CCTV cameras literally all over the outskirts. Um, Cornwall police, if anyone gets a call saying, hey, there's people in the area, they will come almost immediately and either fine you or arrest you for trespassing. Like, do not... Unless you feel like getting fined and or arrested. The rumors. The Dudley 
family were founders of the small settlement, and they were said to be direct relatives of Edmund Dudley, an English nobleman who was beheaded for treason during the reign of Henry VIII. Um, Henry VIII? Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it was said the family that the family was cursed, and the curse followed them to the New World. The curse was often blamed for the mental instability of the family, as well as other settlers, failed crops, and even the death of several settlers that lived there. Now, Dudley Town wasn't necessarily a town. It was never established as a town. It was just a farming settlement. Some of the alleged deaths that were attributed to the curse were a man falling to his death during a barn raising, a woman being struck by lightning, a man's wife dying of TB, his children then disappearing, and his house burned down. This man, man, his wife died of tuberculosis. His children just disappeared. Yep. And his house burned down. Yep. What kind of time span are we talking? Like, is this all within? I'm going to. It didn't give me a time span. Okay. Um, but I'm going to say within like a year, maybe a year and a half. Oh gosh. Um. He then wandered into the dense forest, never to be seen again. Um. Two women were said to have gone insane. Mary Cheney and Harriet Clark went insane in Dudley Town and committed suicide. In fact, Clark allegedly claimed she saw demons right before she died. However, a lot of these have actually been dispelled by many local historians. In fact, if you go on Cornwall's, like their town page, and look up Dudley Town, they have this big, huge article, like dispelling everything. And it's kind of a buzzkill, like reading it. I can hear a very condescending, like, secretary voice Mm. in my head, and it's not fun. But many local historians have dispelled a lot of the rumors. Uh, The first major one is that they have never been able to link Edmund Dudley to the family that settled here after his beheading. The area where they settled also has no fertile soil, so their crops often failed, as well as being too far away from a clean water source. Um, It was also theorized because of the surrounding milling industry that the soil may have also been heavily contaminated with lead, um, as well as like any groundwater that they were drinking. So, yes, it's very possible that a lot of these people were going crazy because lead poisoning. Local historians also dispute the two women's deaths, um, arguing that Mary Cheney died of lung disease and actually never visited Dudley Town. Um, Same with Harriet Clark. She committed suicide in New York. So how are these... How are those connected to Dudley Town? Then, like, what is the what is the? Um, Harriet Clark actually most likely visited, but she lived in Litchfield, okay. so it's very possible that she had been there at one point. Mm-hmm. The surrounding area is now owned by an association called Dark Entry Forest. Um, has planted a few thousand trees trying to reclaim the land, trying to rebuild the forest, the forest and all that good stuff. Um, their name doesn't have anything to do with the alleged hauntings in the area. Um, they chose the name based off of that dark, cool feeling you get when you go into a very densely forested area um, with all of the tree cover and minimal sunlight going through. Okay. That's kind of lovely. It is. Um, However, people, especially back in like 
late 80s, early 90s, before it was super heavily regulated, people would still go in. Um, and there are still abandoned buildings and structures that are in the area. Um, but because there was a lot of vandalism, the original owners that had it before Dark Entry closed it down. It was like, nope, no one's allowed in here, which is oh. fair. However, I have two uh, firsthand accounts. Like You know someone who went to Dudley Town? I know two people. Um, I know technically three, but um, one of my coworkers' parents, both of these accounts have politely asked me not to use their name, so I'm not going to. So my coworkers' parents went to Dudley Town before they closed it to the public and tightened security around the area. Her mom and dad were out with another couple of friends and decided to go for the fun of it. The two girls stayed in the car, and the guys went out and wandered around. The two men saw someone in the woods and called out to the person, finger quotes on that one, and they took off. Well, they decided to chase after the mysterious figure, and after a while, they lost sight of the person. Now, the forest wasn't super dense yet, so you'd still be able to hear someone running, but the forest was completely silent. No uh, animal movement, no leaves rustling, no birds singing, complete silence. While they're standing there looking for this particular figure, the two in the car were just talking to each other. Once the two men were out of out of their sight, stated things started flying at the car, like uh, branches, rocks, like they were being deliberately thrown at the car. Once the two men got back to the car, they left rather quickly. So once these two men got to the clearing, they, this person literally vanished. They were gone. And you would still be able to hear them running away at that point. Right. And to have things be intentionally hucked at the car. What I find creepiest about that <clears throat> is the fact that there's no animal noise. Even in the second account I have, it's silent in that particular space. Like, there's no natural forest noises. Now, the city of Cornwall will happily disagree with you on that one. But I don't know. When you have that much stuff go wrong, it's just weird and uncomfortable. Like, I can deal with silence and things like that. But, like, a dead silence where there should be some kind of noise, that bothers me. What about the second account? This one, I actually know the guy personally. Quote, to start off, I've never been to Tudley, Dudley Town at night in the five or six times I've been there, but that doesn't make it any less awkward. In a brief summary, most people will tell you not to go there for a good reason. A lot of folks get tickets from the local police before they even set foot on the grounds. But when I have went various times when I was a teen who didn't give two dams about if the police wrote me a ticket or not, I wanted to see if the myths were indeed true. And this was the most haunted location, or at least one of them, in our state, Connecticut. I'm sorry to ruin any suspense right here and now, but no, Dudley Town is not haunted in those scary Hollywood ways. But I can say without a doubt, it is, it is indeed haunted. The first thing anyone will feel sort of on edge about the fact that these woods are silent, dead silent. There's not a single noise of any living creature in these woods. Sure, you may hear a leaf blow or the casual rush of a stream, but besides that, all you can hear is an upsetting low boom, almost like a dumpster being dragged on gravel, and it gets closer and closer and closer until the hairs on the back of your neck 
stick up so unsettlingly that you swear that someone is right behind you. The only thing is, when you turn around, nothing. No noise, no one standing there, nothing. Another upsetting thing is that there are no animals whatsoever in these woods. A normal walk through the woods, you may produce a bird or a squirrel. Not here. Nothing. Just dead silence. Wow. That's really interesting to me, that low... I was just about to say that, like, gravelly dragging a dumpster noise. Um, I'd be interested in knowing what's going on under Dudley Town. I'm going to assume lots and lots of root systems. <laughs> do you know what I mean, though? Like, do you know what I mean, though? Like, is it, is there something, not necessarily paranormal or um, otherworldly, but, like, is there something going on underneath connected to something in the surrounding area honestly that i i'm highly doubtful of that just because of how like protected these lands are like they can't build within a certain yardage of this place so even if they did have Mm -hmm. um, allegedly you can't build within a certain no, I'm pretty sure there's, like, local laws saying, no, like, you mm-hmm. have to jump through hoops to do anything near this because it's a protected land space. For those of you who are curious, if you really want to see anything about Dudley Town, um, go on YouTube. There's actually a handful of videos from before it was super heavily regulated. Mm-hmm of people just exploring. Um, I found a couple GoFundMe accounts saying, like trying to raise money so they can make a documentary about Dudley Town. But as of right now, nobody is budging on letting people in. Which, to me, I feel like they're trying to hide something. Like That's though- why I'm wondering what's going on beneath the property. You know what I mean? Like, is there something... I don't want to be a government conspiracy, but like, but govern government but, conspiracy. But like, are they using this dilapidated settlement not as a cover, but like, is it is it hiding something? Now, just to play devil's advocate, if this area is not meant for farming, right, Correct. and it doesn't grow much of anything correct i mean like it's not it's not meant for crop growing but as a forest it's fine okay because i was gonna say it's it's not necessarily impossible for there to be reduced um animal life yeah um, because it's not as fertile of an area that's just sort of how those things but at the same time is it not that fertile of an area because they were doing so much agriculture Mm. back when it was still a functioning settlement. I mean, it was around for almost 60 years. So by the 1700s, it was... It was founded in 1740, but abandoned by the 1800s. Okay. So it was around for quite some time. Which means there's a lot of agriculture going on in that time frame, which will drain the soil of its nutrients 
fairly quickly, especially if they're not rotating crops like they should be. So when do you know when the little ghost curse thing became like popular, not popular culture, but popular culture? Um, Latest article I found was from Nat Geo. I can't find the actual one, but I, the sources that I used actually quoted National Geographic. Um, one was from, now I have to pull that up. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because I just, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page because, you know, we love ourselves some Wikipedia. Um, and they say like rumors of it began in the 1980s. Like now are, now then are we overlapping with the whole satanic panic thing? Probably. That happened in the 80s and early 90s. Probably. You know, this. This, this settlement was abandoned in the 1800s. And, oh, Satan worship isn't the word. Um, I want to say the article that was written by Nat Geo is probably around the 80s, 90s, because if you go onto Nat Geo's website, you can't find that either. Right. So I'm wondering if, not to go back to conspiracy theories, because I love me a good conspiracy theory, um, but I'm wondering if they were told to take it down by a higher up in Cornwall because of the bad publicity and trying to keep the land protected. I think it's really interesting. I think Dudley town wanders in like a very strange gray area. It does. Cause I think a lot of the rumor and, and the curse, if a lot of this came out and it became really popular in the eighties, it's probably not true. Um, I'm a little skeptical on that specifically, especially since the two women who like took their own lives never. One of them had never visited Dudley town. It didn't say if the other one did or not. But like they don't have any like solid hardcore connection to this place. It's not like the land has anything to do with it. Further, if you're talking family curses, then it's going to stay in a family bloodline. Generally speaking, I'm not a demonologist. I was about to say, depending on the type of curse. I'm not a demonologist. I don't know these things as fact. But it would follow that these things are going to stay within a bloodline. I mean, it. there were other accounts of saying that the Dudley brothers, um, the two oldest brothers in this family, did go crazy. And that, you know, if there were a curse of that, I would attribute to the curse. Yeah. But... Not necessarily... Or anyone that has, like, a very strong connection to the family. Yeah, like, family's family. Like, like, I married your sister. I don't know why, I don't know why that's the accent I went with. Um, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, it follows that. So, like, the guy... The, the one that kind of boggles my mind is the guy whose wife died of tuberculosis. Which, again, in and of itself isn't spooky. No, because people were dying of tuberculosis all, all the time. time, all of the time, all of the time. Um, but then his children just vanished. See that part that even to me, isn't that out there because they're in a heavily wooded area. Children go out and play, get lost How and poof, children? they're gone too. Okay. So yeah, that's, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And then his house burned down. But the, like, and those three things individually aren't necessarily spectacular. But them happening so close together, or at least I'm assuming they're ha- they happen so close together, that's weird. Yeah. Well, if it weren't for bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. This is true. So 
The woman getting struck by lightning as well. That one's that's such a rare thing to happen. Um, not necessarily. What's the name of the gentleman? There's a a gentleman. He has doesn't he have the world record for being struck by lightning? Like, yeah, <laughs> and it's like double digits. I mean, oh, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. He's he's doing his best. <laughs> he is doing his best. Like I mean, people are struck by lightning, and especially if you're in like this heavily wooded area, you're next to a tree. It's gonna find something to ground to. But for that one, it allegedly hit her while she was standing on her porch. It's not like she was out in the forest. She was standing on her porch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know most of that. Like, I knew there was, you know, the rumors that it was, you know, cursed land and no one could go there and you'll be arrested. Well, like the fact that they have CCTV cameras. Well, but again, is that because of the higher perimeter? Like 80s era. Yeah. But that's more recent, though. Like, the fact that they have so many in the surrounding area that's mid 2000s early you have to remember too that like rumors and especially rumors of negative things so like yeah i don't want to say hauntings are inherently negative but things like hauntings and curses and specifically creepy abandoned places they tend to draw in the curious yeah which is kind of why we have this podcast right yes uh, so and especially when you have an entire generation think about it our mother grew up in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Not to date her, but my, our mother grew up in the 70s and 80s. And again, when you're a youth at the time when the satanic panic at a time where, you know, a group of kids getting stoned drew like a pentagram because they were listening to music. And suddenly there are Satan worshippers sacrificing babies. In the forest. In, in the forest or in this abandoned place. And when you grow up with those sort of things, it carries, right? So, like, if you hear yeah. this rumor when you're a, a, a young adult or a child, young adult, and then you are going to bring that to your children. So, I guess the point is, like, I'm not surprised that there are cameras on this because you're talking 1980s, 1990s. Yeah. I'm not surprised that there are cameras either. I'm just surprised it's... Like, it took them that long to put cameras up. Hmm. Well, technology, man. Mm. Um, I also found that article. Oh, yeah. One with the newspaper clipping. That newspaper clipping is from 92. 1992, okay. Mm-hmm. So, well after the rumors and then the talk had started. Yeah. Um, however, I will say this much about Dudley Town. If you go on, like, if you go on Google and you're looking up pictures, there are some actually really good missed pictures and um or oh, yeah i just pulled one up with it to the left of the tree yeah yeah like that's on tumblr too so yes there might be some kind of paranormal activity because people did live and die there mm. but is it haunted to the extent of harassing people that go there Maybe, according to the two people that I know, yes. Like, I really, and we might do this this summer, there are still roads around the area that you can drive through, so we might do a little drive-by drive by sometime this summer, because 
I ain't going outside right now. Oh, I forgot one of the more fun parts. But, um, a lot of people were saying that, um, are you familiar with the movie The Village of the Damned? I vaguely, like, I'm not, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Are they uh, saying it's based on Dudley Town? They say that they pulled a lot of inspiration. You know what also happened in the 90s? That may be part of this reason that cameras went up everywhere. What? There's a little movie that came out in the late, late 90s. Um, sort of the dawn of the found footage age, the Blair Witch Project. Yes. Yep. You're talking teenagers go into the forest and find some shit. That yeah. doesn't surprise me necessarily. That no, absolutely strong. Um, that's even I think Cornwall's uh, page on this actually says due to certain uh, pop culture influences. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Blair Witch. Wow, good job. Yes. Well done, Molly. Thank you. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about? Do we have an idea what we want to do next week? Or is that going to be, again, a bit of a surprise for us as it is for our listeners? I have some thoughts, but... You have thoughts? I have thoughts. What thoughts do you have? I guess we'll talk about those thoughts off off the air. Okay. <laughs> but again, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much. Um, keep an ear out. These episodes come out every Friday now. We have a schedule. Uh, we have a schedule. Woo. Isn't that wild? So new episodes every Friday. Um, remember, you can always hit us up on Instagram at Sister Strange Podcast and shoot us an email at sisterstrangepodcast at yahoo.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Bye. Bye.